0: You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, a UK based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 134 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and I'm not in the kitchen studio this week. I am, well, I'm not in the kitchen studio. I'm I'm quite a few miles away actually, about nine and a half hours away from the uh, PTUK studios. And uh, I'm here in the lovely country of Oman, where uh, it's currently uh, quarter past 11, just coming up to quarter past 11 uh, on uh, well in the evening at night so it's pitch black outside so i can't actually show you any uh, <laughs> stuff outside the window at all but uh with me or not with me but i should say but with with us in or with me in spirit here but he's back in the ptuk studios um looking after my house is my co-host matt smith well hello everyone it's uh <laughs> it's
1: uh, it's uh, it's uh, this is all a bit weird isn't it it's all a bit weird. So yes, I I am I am in. Well, I'm not in the kitchen studio actually. Uh, mainly because um, of I had to work late, so I had to set everything up um, yesterday. So uh, yes, as you can see from the wide shot here, the studio has had a slight reconfiguration in readiness for doing this so yes so i'm here all on my own well i say on my own obviously i am i am looking after the very precious daughter that is Poppycat. cat and uh, i must say we're having a very nice time by the way you know no need to uh, no need to hurry home <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you know what matt it's so unbelievably hot here really it will be quite nice to come back to a bit of cooler Weather.
1: Well, I can I can promise you <laughs> one thing, Carlos. The first thing you're going to do as soon as you come home is turn the heating on. There's no fear of that. It's, it's what, been... what,
0: you, what, you, what you can probably see behind me on the wall is is to the left of the picture or right of the picture, however you want to look at it. is a is an air conditioning unit. Or the thermal, uh, climate control unit, Ew. which is currently set to 22 degrees Celsius.
1: 22 degrees. Okay. Well, um, our, our, we managed to peak at around about 11 degrees here in East Anglia today. So, uh, so yeah. So yeah. Whereas
0: yeah. outside at the moment, uh, it is currently just checking. Um, actually, the temperature's dropped. It's now 29 degrees Celsius outside. Wow. Wow,
1: that's um, that's quite warm. So it's twenty nine degrees and it's dark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness me! I don't know what to say. Uh, well, it sounds like I, I'm I'm amazed. Your the, the lovely Gemma copes with it so well. To be honest with you, because uh, people of 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 her complexion are not famous for strugg- uh, quite famous for struggling um, in uh, heat and stuff like that. I know well,
0: she's she's put up with a lot uh, so far, <laughs> but she she loves the sun, the heat. Uh, well, whereas I'm not a huge fan of blazing sun. Can I, I just actually say, Matt, um, that I have uh, been very busy uh, this evening, just before the show. I, I doubt that, and, anyway, uh, yes. I've, <laughs> I've actually constructed and built a very, very special microphone stand. That is true. Uh, you'll you'll have to the show the shirt. listeners. You'll have
1: to show the listeners what, what you actually did. Here we go. Yes, that's lovely. Good. Yes. It's, now, now, that's Those not your, Lego, is it? That's Duplo to make sure that we use the correct... Um, <laughs> yes well done everyone so apologies uh boys and girls if you are listening to this in the audio podcast uh, so carlos has had to basically uh manufacture a microphone stand to bring it up to the appropriate height so that because I, I was whinging about his audio levels earlier but uh, uh, as they were just saying in the uh just before we started they were saying in the chat room that you've got quite a stroppy producer on your hands today carlos so uh, good
0: luck <laughs> <laughs> but, but i will say matt uh, in in your defense you have been an absolute legend in that we have uh, actually got another guest yes. on the show live from somewhere in europe oh yes that is true and who is that person in question
1: well he, we might as well let him introduce himself so uh, say hello owen
2: hey guys um so i'm owen uh, i'm here in Malaga, Spain, where it's currently also dark and uh, also in the the twenty degrees there thereabouts range. So uh, yeah, enjoying the heat here too.
1: <laughs> oh, dear. So, so it's just me that's freezing to death. Then is it? It's just, it's just like it feels. Yeah, I'm afraid so Yeah, yeah, it sounds about right. Oh dear. So yeah, so Owen, Owen is in a very noisy bar. So apologies, ladies and gentlemen, for the oh, slight yes. background noise I, there. I, but I um, do about that. we we can all pretend like we're there, busy enjoying the atmosphere. I think that's <laughs> we we're, we're all very very jealous. Anyway, look, boys and girls, lovely though this chat is. Um, I'm going to um, I'm going to press on because I'm not going to lie I'm absolutely terrified because I've got two Skype calls that have both got dodgy connections so anything could happen during the next in the next half, hour. The next half hour or so and uh, you haven't got long before you need to panic and go and buy go and get your tickets booked have you Carlos or something or your you oh, yes. you've, you've, you've got I've to disappear to...
0: mid show to, to sort out your um your, your return well, flight details yeah I've I've literally I've got a uh, I've got a check-in opens for our uh, our flight 16 minutes time. It's 16 minutes time. So. Uh, actually, I just noticed in the chat room here,
1: Nev's, Nev sort of said that he's got your, your BA login details, that maybe he might he just has. cancel your flights for you.
0: <laughs> well, I, I, actually, I was kind of hoping that Nev might buy um, us um, a couple of first-class upgrades. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, moment. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that 's just you 're just you 're just not very nice yeah honestly uh, ignore
1: that uh, ignore that never i don 't know what 's the matter with him, I think the uh, tiger beer he 's consuming has gone straight to his head uh, right, okay, it is time to uh we 're going to do um the show as usual. The housekeeping uh, as as per normal. So it is uh, the 14th. It is Friday night. It's the 14th of October 2016. And it is uh, now rapidly approaching 20 past nine. We're, uh, 20 past eight, sorry. We're a little bit uh, late starting here. Um, so uh, if we're all ready then, uh, boys and girls. Uh, ready over here in the... Um Omar. Heat? heat. Yeah, in the heat. Yeah. <laughs> and over there in Malaga. Owen, are we all set?
2: Uh, um, I'm ready in Malaga.
1: And you're falling off the connection. Excellent. Okay, we better get started, I think, quick before something else goes wrong. Let's go <laughs>
0: So, kicking off this week's first news story, it's on the Guardian.com website, and uh, the headline, Monarch Airlines receives a £165 million lifeline to keep flying. So Monarch Airlines has been granted an 11th hour reprieve after a £165 million investment from its majority shareholder secured its future. The company had a deadline of midnight on Wednesday to prove to the UK airline industry regulator, the Civil Aviation Authority, that it had sufficient funds to stay afloat. Without the cash injection from Graybull Capital, Monarch would have lost its uh, air travel organisers licence, our Atoll, which allows it to fly package holidaymakers. Andrew Swaffield, chief executive, said it's testament to the extensive effort by all parties over the past weeks and months that we're able to announce the largest investment in our 48-year history, as well as the renewal of our Atoll licence. He said the investment gave Monaco a long-term future at a difficult time for the airline industry. We believe the market will remain fairly challenging over the next couple of years, particularly because of terrorism and the weak pound. This capital, oh pardon me, it's a beer. Oh. This capital injection <laughs> allows us to face these markets with confidence. Swaffield added, uh, the weak pound, which I I feel his pain there because <laughs> yeah. over here the exchange rate yeah, yeah, is yeah. rubbish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Uh, The weak pound is generally bad for UK airlines which pay for fuel in dollars and much of their navigation costs and ground charges in euros. Monarch is expected to roughly break even in the current financial year after making a £19.2 million pre-tax profit in 2015. Swaffield said the sharp fall in value of the pound since the Brexit vote on the 23rd of June had not dampened consumers' willingness to book foreign holidays. He said many of Monarch's customers uh, owned properties in Europe while holidaymakers opting for all inclusive or half board stays were partly shielded from currency fluctuations. Swaffield said Monarch was working a, a six to a six year business plan, and the equity investment gave the company more than enough headroom uh, to satisfy the regulator as well as its own board and investors. Uncertainty over Monarch's future had hit the holiday bookings over the past two weeks, he said, but the airline's bookings were not affected. He added that there were signs that there were things returning to normal and customers had sent messages of support to the business. The CIA had given Monarch a 12-day extension from the original deadline of 30th of September to show it had sufficient funding to renew the company's Atoll licence until the end of September 2017. After confirmation that it had met all the necessary requirements, and the regulators have said that Monarch's licences permit them to sell Atoll protected holidays until the 30th of September 2017, after which they will be required to obtain a new licence. In 2014, Monarch placed an order for 30 Boeing 737 MAX 8 aircraft with options for a further 15 planes. The first of these aircraft are scheduled for delivery in 2018. The airline said the new planes would give customers a better in-flight experience while allowing the company to make significant operational cost savings. Monarch itself is based at Luton Airport and employs 2,888 staff. So that's really, really, really good news because we really don't want to lose Monarch as an airline because they are um, a fantastic airline I've flown on in the past. And they're kind of part of the, um, well, they're, they're, they're part of the furniture, Matt. They are, yeah, very much so.
1: Um, it's, um, yeah, it, I mean, it was obviously very worrying when this when this story was first released. Um, but uh, I, I'm pleased to say that uh, they, they certainly seem to have it all under control, don't they? So, uh, yeah, good, good, good news, good news indeed.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's supposed to be a, a very good company to work for as well, Monarch. So uh, I hope they... Um, Hope they continue to, uh, to to be you know to be, be popular. Okay,
1: on to the next story then. So uh, I shall take the next one. Uh, this is, as you would expect, it's always uh, <laughs> it's good old Ryanair. What can it's we not say a about Ryanair that? story? <laughs> is it? Yeah, I think it might be. Yes, yeah, so I've, I've got only got myself to blame because obviously it, I've been doing the stories this year. Is it a good news story or a bad
2: news story? Ah,
1: I don't know. Let's find out together. It's a good news story. Here we go. So this is aerospace dash technology. and the headline is Ryanair to receive 50 new aircraft. Island-based Ryanair is set to take delivery of 50 new aircraft over the next year as part of its fleet expansion. With a fleet of more than 350 Boeing 737 aircraft, Ryanair currently operates more than 1,800 daily flights to over 200 destinations. The aircraft has already placed an order for 315 Boeing 737 uh, planes as part of the fleet expansion the airline is planning to recruit 2000 new cabin crew 1000 pilots and 250 aircraft engineers new positions will be created in IT sales and marketing digital experience finance and commercial divisions of the carrier's office in Dublin Ireland and at its Travel Labs Poland subsidiary in uh, in Poland Ryanair chief uh, people officer Eddie Wilson said that 2017 is set to be our busiest recruitment year to date and we are continuing to invest heavily in talent for the future. Ryanair is now considered to be the go-to airline for both uh, cadet and direct entry hires, with our industry leading to um, uh, 5-4 roster for pilots and both pilots and cabin crew have the opportunity to work on the youngest fleet in Europe as we take delivery of our new Boeing aircraft. As our aircraft numbers grow from 355 to over 500 in the next uh, five years, Ryanair will hire over 5,000 new people. The carrier said that it was also planning to promote more than 300 first officers on its command upgrade program across 84 bases in Europe very exciting that's good news
0: it is I like the sound of that especially um, obviously with the new aircraft coming online indeed um, that's going to um, I know that they're going to start to phase out some of the older 737 yeah, 800s indeed. that have got in their fleet
2: I've, I've had the pleasure of flying on some of the newer um, interiors that they've got and they are quite nice I have to say really it'll be a a, a big big step up and way more comfortable lots of leg, leg room uh, i will say this though they they have less space for the bags so in the in the new aircraft oh no um, it, which <laughs> in the overhead to be a bit bins annoying. in the overhead bins yeah uh, but uh I- it all eh, most of it can fit under the seat in front it's it's uh really? they they're very very big on the legroom, which is something that i think Passengers
1: and Ryanair are not used to. Uh, no, I think I think it's safe to say that that's. Uh, I, I mean, I have to say from my own experience. I mean, I I travelled with. I remember flying with EasyJet and was actually very surprised at um, how much legroom I had there. Um, so uh, I mean, maybe that's perhaps why why they're, why they're sort of you know these these new aircraft are looking at this particular model. So it uh, it could um, well. It's, any improvement is always going to be good news, isn't it?
0: Actually. The, uh, I was just looking on the Boeing site and uh, Ryanair are the launch customer uh, for the Boeing 737 MAX 200. They've got 100 of those on order from Boeing, and like I said, they are the launch customer.
1: Oh, wow. That is that is that is, that is big news, that is.
0: Yeah, they've also got, Ryanair have got 100 uh, of the 737-800s on order as well from Boeing, um, which uh, are being delivered. Um, between now and 2018
2: wow yeah that's a hell of a lot of warmness
0: <laughs> that so is a huge fleet yeah it I is I love
2: uh, Neville's uh, comment in the chat room there Ryanair passengers are used to having toilets are uh, outside toilets so this is indeed a
1: bonus
0: outside <laughs> toilets
1: honestly how rude oh, oh I, I love day-day.
0: it I love it <laughs> so next story is uh, is is Owen's
2: Yes, next story here and it is from travel.aol.co.uk and it says EasyJet named Europe best low-cost airline. Budget carrier beats Ryanair, Monarch and Norwegian. EasyJet has been crowned the best budget airline in Europe, beating rivals Ryanair and Norwegian. The British low-cost carrier topped the table of Europe's most preferred cheap airlines in a poll of 16,000 travellers with more than 6 in 10 UK passengers backing EasyJet based on customer service and overall flying experience. Ryanair was left behind with 44% of the UK travellers' votes, while British discount, discount airline Monarch came in third place in the UK table with 21% of the votes. One traveller commented, My favourite airline is EasyJet, and I don't think they need to improve. I have been travelling with them for 18 years now and never had a problem and hardly a delay another added best low-cost airline is EasyJet. Once you know the rules, all goes smoothly. Uh, Online travel agent eDreams.co.uk polled travellers across 10 countries, UK, Spain, Germany, Italy, France, Portugal, Sweden, Denmark, Finland and Norway, and found that in addition to being voted the UK's number one low-cost airline, EasyJet was also the favorite no-frills airline across the continent. Taking more than a fifth of the votes across Europe and leaving Ryanair at 18%, Norwegian at 12%, Vueling at 8% and Eurowings at 4% in its trail. But not all travellers are satisfied with low-cost airlines, as only 17 percent of UK respondents say that the prices are fair, with 4 in 10 claiming airlines are becoming more and more costly. Almost a third, 32%, said that they find low-cost airlines as expensive as full-service airlines, especially when travelling at peak times such as the summer holidays or when taking into consideration unexpected additional fees.
0: I say, listening to, to Owen read, I have I have to say that of all the um, flights that I've took in Europe, albeit to Malta or any other European destinations, I have to say I've always used Ryanair.
2: <laughs> I've only <laughs> used EasyJet.
0: It, I, honestly, I have only used EasyJet a handful of times. I, 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 I use...
2: have never actually flown EasyJet. Um, and... I haven't. I don't think I've flown any of the other airlines in those uh, no frills list out of the ones that were listed in this particular article.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I flew out with them to uh, Sharm El Sheikh actually. That, that's that's um, how come uh, mm. there was a flight I was talking about with extra legroom and stuff, and I, I mean, it was absolutely brilliant. I can't really, uh, I couldn't really fault it. I mean, it was it was really good. Uh, oh. And I, I currently have two minutes left till check You have two minutes left till check-in. Well, that's good news. <laughs> yeah, I uh, am
2: getting a bit excited there. Yeah, guys, absolutely,
1: yeah. He's getting a bit <laughs> terrified, yeah. <laughs> one one minute and 59 seconds till check-in. Oh, oh right, OK, OK. Uh, well, no, it's supposed it's to be you thing. next, Carlos. So are you going to take the next story, or do you not have time to yeah, do this? Sh- I shall quickly read this story. OK, this right. So the next
0: story <laughs> okay. is uh, on the Irish Times. So sticking with the Irish theme, this one. Uh, it's a story that, uh, that I, I, I found actually early this week as well on the uh, on the internet. It's, um, the Aer Lingus plane grounded at, uh, after fire at Orlando Airport. So two baggage handlers uh, were hospitalised after equipment caught fire ahead of a hurricane, uh, which uh, obviously is hitting uh, that state at the moment. They were trying to get the aircraft airborne before the hurricane hit, so a spokesman, Orlando International Airport confirmed that two baggage handlers from the airport staff were injured on Thursday while loading an Air Lingus flight EL-120, which was uh, preparing to leave for Dublin. Uh, the two injured staff members were brought to Orlando Regional Medical Center and the severity of their injuries is unknown. Passengers waiting on board flight EL120 took uh, to Twitter on Thursday evening after witnessing a piece of ground service equipment catch fire beside the aircraft. Colin Bolin, who was in Florida on business, said that he believed an oil pipe had malfunctioned, causing an oil to spur out onto the ground and to the sides of the aircraft, while passengers who had just arrived in Orlando were disembarking. Around two-thirds of the passengers were off already when he saw loads of kids running from the airport windows and he heard someone screaming and the adults started running. The air hostesses were distraught and one was visibly crying and there was drama on the ground. We were about to board the plane and there seemed to be a rush to turn around and get us all uh, uh, off uh or off to orlando as quick as possible mr bowen said the passengers are waiting to board flight el 120 back to dublin and they were forced to wait an hour before receiving information on the status of their flight uh, communication was very poor and there was no announcement uh, for one hour uh, and it was a really disastrous situation so it's a bit a bit worrying this one matt yeah I indeed just yeah. worrying times
1: Indeed, yeah. This is not uh, this is not the sort of news that people want to hear, is it? Uh, especially if they're about to fly out, and, uh, especially
2: if if you're watching from the uh, as most people would be from the terminal window. Well, it's yeah, exactly a sight that you'd like to see.
1: No, no, he's like, Ugh, what on earth is going on? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, agreed, agreed. There, it's uh, it's it's not
0: good, is it? Anyway, no, no. Cu- that, two members of the, the uh, ground staff, like, like the story said, were injured unfortunately, which is uh, yeah, never good. not nice.
1: No, indeed. Right, we'll move on to the next story then, because Carlos has some seats that he needs to to book like immediately, so he. Can- I'm current currently, uh <laughs> doing that right he 's currently <laughs> doing that right now, so while we 're going to do that this now this is not technically an, it is aviation related the only reason i 've included this story is because last week, like an numpty, I said um, that it probably that the, the whole this this whole incident was actually um, something to do with uh, perhaps people not returning their handsets or being dolled out the wrong handsets as it turns out i was completely wrong so i'll read the story anyway so if you have got if you are a samsung galaxy note 7 owner please take heed now so this is on the bbc news website and the headline is samsung galaxy note 7 owners told to turn off device south korean tech giant samsung has urged owners of the galaxy note 7 to turn off its high-end smart owned while it investigates new reports of devices catching fire the firm also said It would stop sales of the phone and halt production. Samsung recalled 2.5 million phones in September after complaints of exploding batteries and later insisted that all replaced devices were safe. But But there are now reports that even those phones are also catching fire. A man in Kentucky said that he woke up to a bedroom full of smoke with a replaced Note 7 days after a domestic flight in the US was evacuated after a new device started emitting smoke into the cabin. Because uh, consumer safety remains our top priority, Samsung will ask all carrier and retail partners globally to stop sales and exchanges of the Galaxy Note 7 while the investigation is taking place. The company said customers with either an original Galaxy Note 7 or replacement Galaxy Note 7 device should power down and stop using the device and take advantage of the remedies available it added as late as monday evening a spokeswoman insisted that the phones were still safe to use but on tuesday the company said that it would stop the galaxy note 7 production we recently readjusted the production volume for uh, thorough investigation and quality control but putting customer safety at top priority we have reached a final decision to halt production of the Galaxy Note 7 so yes it turns out that I also didn't know what I was talking about and uh, yes the uh, the handsets have got issues even now so if you have got a Note- Galaxy Note 7 please turn it off now uh, I'm sure you've all seen the pictures but I will just pop um, Pop this picture up. This is say this is on the BBC
0: Matt, website. Man, I, I saw photos on. I saw these photos online yeah. this week, and there's a few other websites as well that have had these photos yeah. on, and some of them are really quite disturbing. Yeah, so, they the, are, aren't they? Yeah,
2: yeah. It's, uh, it, it's quite scary. I, I, I know um, a lot of people sleep with their their ha- ha- uh, their phones beside their their pillows or on the nightstand or whatever. Can you imagine one of these um, going off next to God forbid.
1: Thanks
0: well, to
2: someone's head whether sleep or
1: you know well and this is kind Very of the issue isn't it because these prospect. yeah th- this is kind of the issue because what, what sort of started it was that that this bit this um th- exactly that it was it somebody woke up with smoke in their bedroom you know this is this is this yeah. is this is not good news so uh, i mean yeah. I, I am a massive samsung fan i have to be honest i mean i, I, I only yeah. ever buy so, uh samsung tvs i know carlos you do the same don't you yeah. Yeah, a lot of yeah, your devices. So. Are, yeah, absolutely. So uh, uh, it, it is very unusual. I mean, they're a very experienced manufacturer, so uh, I hope for
0: everyone's sake, really, they can, they can get to the bottom of this. But as far as I'm aware, yeah, I mean, this is just purely a battery issue, isn't it, Matt? This, it, this yeah. isn't Samsung as uh, the, the phone mm. itself exploding. This is the battery.
1: Well, and of course, that, it, that it, in sure. fairness to Samsung, of course, they don't make the battery. It's made by a third-party yeah. uh, engineer, uh, in the same way that, you know like well, I think it was, was it was it the uh, the dreamliner where they were having pro- problems with the batteries when they first yeah. came into into service and it's, it's that same problem isn't it it's uh, you know <laughs> you can plan as best you can you can you can make your decisions on how it's going to work and it turns out to be you know a faulty part or or a design fault with with someone else's someone else's product but um, you know there we are what can you do
2: but yeah, I think it was a good decision from Samsung to uh, to cancel the yeah. the production of the the Note 7.
1: Yeah, I I don't think I don't think that now. I mean, nobody's going to get one. Nobody's going to have confidence in it, are they? I mean, it's you know they need to to throw throw the design board away and start yeah. again, don't they? Oops. But. Um, yeah. Oh, hold on. That was lively. <laughs> that was lively. I thought there was a fight. So the next story
0: is. Uh, I think this one's Owen.
1: This is yes. This one is Owen. So uh, uh, as long as you're not being stabbed or anything, Owen, please uh, do do carry on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no,
2: no. It is it is quite a busy cafe though. I have to say.
1: That's good. Um, well, there's no point. There's no point in hanging out in hanging out in a quiet one. <laughs>
2: Well, that's that, that's that's true. <laughs> Unless you're trying to do a show.
1: Well, there is that, yes. Uh, if you <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Touche. Well played. This Owen. one
2: is from ABC7NY.com, and it says: planes clip wings on the ground at Newark Airport for the second time in two days. For the second time in two days, two airplanes have clipped wings while on the ground at New Jersey's Newark Liberty International Airport. At about 4.30 p.m. Wednesday, the wing of the United Flight 31, and a Boeing 767 aircraft, made contact with the right wing of an Austrian Airlines Flight 90, also another Boeing 767 aircraft, as they pushed back from the gate at Terminal B. The Austrian Airlines aircraft was parked at another gate in Terminal B at the time. And it says the FAA will investigate. This comes on the back of Ontario. Another incident where on Tuesday a spokesperson for Chicago-based United Airlines says a flight arriving from Beijing had landed safely at the airport and was at a stop when an empty Lufthansa plane made contact with it. The spokesperson says the plane was towed to the gate and maintenance is expecting it. There were 150 passengers and 15 crew members on board at the time. Uh, the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey says both planes had minor damage, but the good news is no one was hurt in either incident. I will say this, um, well done to the people at ABC7NY.com, because the picture that they have is actually an Austrian Boeing 767. (laughs) 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 Now, whether it's at New Jersey or at Newark, I don't know, but, um... Uh, they got the right
1: aircraft, at least. Well, that that is a massive step in, uh, up in, in uh, you know, on the on the norm. Let's be honest. So uh, I'm quite sure that uh, Nev, especially, will be delighted to see that there may actually be hope for uh,
0: ABC yet. You know. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, I, I tell hope you what, for it just, reporting in general. <laughs> this yeah. just proves that our listeners are so awesome because they spot things like this. Even our guests. <laughs> spot yeah, things absolutely.
1: Like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> definitely the way forward. <laughs>
0: It's very, 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 very troubling because a lot of these airports where these incidents are happening are not small airports. No. They are rather large airports with loads of room. I'd love the job personally
1: well indeed yeah that's true yeah <laughs> and it's it, it's worrying that because it, it, it suggests that there's maybe a fault with the ground crew if this is the second time that this has happened in you know in such a short space of time there's obviously something not quite Ooh, right well, with their procedures hello is there. to in
0: the chat room to barbara who's uh, joined us in the chat room. ah hello barbara hello barbara hey anyway, matt's got some news about barbara coming up on the show later. i have so indeed yes um, absolutely yes so we'll that. cover that uh, in a so, moment so anyway moving on to our next show and uh, Uh, This one is on the com website and uh, the headline, uh, get an empty seat next to you on your flight with this airline app trick. So if you need to get some work done on your next flight or hate being crammed next to other passengers, yes, that's me, having an empty seat next to you is great. Here's how you can nab the perfect seat right at the gate. If you're travelling with someone, you can usually get an empty seat next to you by booking the aisle window and seats at the same, in, of the same row. Uh, if you're on your own, however, you can slightly increase your chances by picking the right seats to begin with, or use this trick Darius Dubash shares at the Million Mile Secrets. While you're waiting around at the airport, check it check the seating chart on your chosen airline's smartphone app. Most airlines have them, though. And I will just say that I have used the Seat Guru app this evening uh, to choose our seats to fly home on tomorrow. Right. Fantastic. I
2: uh, love that. Son. I love that. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, yeah, he says you can uh, use, uh, use the app, and if the seats around you are full, use the app to switch your seat right at the gate, Dubash claims. This can even work up to the last minute before boarding. Uh, here, here, uh, there are a few uh, caveats to this trick. However, depending on the airline, you may not be able to change your seat assignment after check-in. Uh, Dubash had success with this tactic on United and Delta. In that case, the app to check the seating chart for open spots, uh, then ask an employee at the gate if they'll let you switch. And, of course, as always the chance the flight will be full or last-minute seat reassignments will undo your efforts. So it may not always work, but this is worth a try if you need some extra space. So, for me, flying home tomorrow uh, with uh, the lovely Gemma back to Heathrow. I went on Seat Guru's app um, earlier on today, and uh, on the 787-9 Dreamliner, they are, at the rear of the aircraft, there are two um, seats each side of the cabin, uh, and they call them the couple seats because there are just two seats uh, each side of the cabin um, with no seats either side. So it's two seats on their own, next to a window uh, so i have just booked those two seats um for us to fly home on tomorrow as Yay. you do as
1: you do so uh, well and uh, look forward to a, an update we'll we'll talk more about your flight in uh, momentarily i think we should we should because uh, of course you have now flown on a
0: dreamliner yes Yes, yes. Indeed. Let's moving on swiftly to our next story, and this one is Matt. Indeed, yes. This is
1: uh, on the Aviation Analysis Wing website or aviationanalysis.net website. And the headline is Spirit becomes first U.S. airliner to operate the A320neo. Florida based Spirit Airline became the first U.S. airline to take the improved Airbus A320neo single aisle passenger jet headquartered in Miramar. The airline took delivery of the very first of 50 A320neo family. Uh, and I just realised I left Carlos's camera up. Sorry about that. <laughs> Headquarters in Miramar, the uh, airline took delivery of the very first of the 50 A320neo family aircraft. The low-cost carrier has ordered on, uh, which they received on Tuesday. Uh, all of Spirit's A320neo family aircraft will be powered by Pratt & Whitney's Pure Power PW. 1100 JM geared turbofan GTF engines. The Airbus A320neo will be the 90th aircraft to join Spirit's growing fleet and is set to add five Airbus A320neos to its network by the end of the year. The A320neo, the new engine option family, incorporates the very latest technologies including new generation engines and sharklets which together deliver more than 15 Uh, percent fuel savings from day one and 20 percent by 2020. With nearly 4,800 orders received from 87 customers since its launch in 2010, the A320neo family has captured some of some 60 percent share of the market including Spirit's A320neo delivered today. 26 A320neo aircraft have been delivered to nine operators. So that's very exciting. Very cool. I know
0: it's it's, it's good news, it's good news for Spirit because they are they are a quite popular airline. I know I've like Spirit mentioned quite a few times What it, uh, for for
1: for good um, for good things is it? Uh, you know, positive.
2: Yeah, I think it's a, it, it tends, to
1: be, tends to get quite good reviews. Oh, okay. But, well, uh, maybe
2: some people in the chat room, some of the U.S. listeners, might be able to. Uh, to confirm that.
1: Well, yeah, no, that that is true.
2: So ultra air, uh, ultra light, uh, or sorry, ultra low cost. What what exactly does that mean? Do they have to buy huh? like the ham and cheese
0: separate for their panillas <laughs> No they, no,
1: they have to warn them themselves. Oh, I see. I, I, don't, I don't even want to okay. know how, the, how, how they do that. So it's, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <clears throat> anyway, uh, moving on before uh, somebody gets sued. Um, uh, whose uh, go is it?
0: Uh, yes. I have hideous visions of people warming paninis under their armpits I don't, I don't, oh dear I don't, I don't
1: feel very well uh, <laughs> right who Owen who's next. who who is, is owen's story next is it okay take it away Ian. i think it's my story next yeah, yeah yeah, um so this is from
2: the street.com um not too sure where that what sort of website that is but it says you can now pay for airline tickets in monthly installments in a move some describe as bold and others say puzzling cheap air recently began offering customers the ability to pay for airline ticket purchases in a monthly installment. The program launched in August is aimed primarily at people who do not have credit cards. It offers travelers who cannot afford an airline ticket the option to pay for them in three, six or 12 month installments via a financial services company that's partnering with the online travel agency. The question some industry experts are asking, however, is how popular such an offering will be at a time when about seven in ten Americans have at least one credit card in their wallet. I think it's something people will find interesting, says Michael Bentley, a former Delta pricing analyst who's now a partner with consulting firm uh, Revenue Analytics. The one question I have is how many people in the US are looking to travel who don't have credit cards or who can't afford to just buy the ticket? The answer to that question may not be clear-cut, but one survey found that millennials like the idea of being able to pay for airline tickets via monthly payments not associated with a credit card. Wing, a social polling app for millennials, found that 78% of its users would be more willing to buy plane tickets knowing they had more time to pay for them. In addition, 83% of those same users said that one of the main reasons they don't travel more is because it's too expensive. And 92% thought that being able to pay for tickets via monthly instalments is a great idea. To be clear, financing airline tickets through monthly instalments is not an entirely new in- new idea to the industry. More than a decade ago, Continental Airlines in- introduced a deferred payment option on its website for customers seeking to purchase tickets, called "Bill Me Later." <laughs> uh, the option required completing an online credit application uh, handled by. BillMeLater.com, after which customers were sent a bill in the mail. BillMeLater eventually morphed into PayPal Credit, uh, says Seth Kaplan of Airline Weekly, and Continental is now part of United, which still offers the same program. And I think it goes on to say that there are um, a few other similar programs in other companies, including uh, Delta and JetBlue, um, but yeah, it's a very interesting, um, interesting story. Yeah, it is. Uh, that- I mean,
1: I, I, you, you do wonder, though, perhaps if they can't. You know, I mean, I, I know everybody should be able to fly. I, I get that. But if you if you don't have a credit card and you can't put the flight on your own, t- you know, on your own credit card, um, you know, I, I don't know if maybe paying for a flight by monthly instalments is. I don't know. I don't know. There's something about it that makes me feel really nervous.
2: I I think that um, this this is actually going to be more expensive than a credit card. I think it, it's it's more aimed at uh, people who don't have credit cards. Yeah, I think it said. Um, but I was looking on it today, and I, I I tried to just for fun book a flight through Cheap Air uh, and use this monthly instalment thing, and. Um, in some cases, they were quoting you thirty uh, percent APR. So the interest rate is um, quite high on the various different. I mean, I, um, I, I, well, I, I suppose you,
1: per se. You you could argue that uh, that, that thirty percent APR is actually an awful lot better than, I mean, some of the some of these sort of um, what do they call them? The uh, the sort of. Uh, short term lenders where they where they're often charging you something in the region well, of, yeah, of yeah, sort yeah. of like eleven eleven hundred percent or something stupid like that, so actually thirty <laughs> percent doesn 't sound too bad i mean are, are the flights really expensive i mean that that's the other question I suppose um, <laughs> well, well I, I was kind of
2: looking and they all seem to be fairly in line with what the the airlines are are charging anyway so um i'm not too sure where they're making their money on but, yeah, uh, well
0: they're making yeah, it you know, on they, the they API it seem seems
2: to be
0: re- reasonable I, 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 I have to this, uh, this, I think it's quite a good idea I think if you want to really spoil yourself and you want to fly you know you want to try business class somewhere and you haven't got you know haven't got 10 pounds in one hit I think it's quite a nice idea if you want to spoil yourself
2: I agree with with Carlos on that, um, and I was, I was looking. There is options to book for business class, to book for all the various different extras that you would mm. normally through a uh, a normal airline's website. Um, so it's it's yeah, it's a good way to convince people who might not necessarily uh, have the money to spoil themselves right mm. now, but who want to spoil themselves. Um, it's a good way to to convince them to to buy a
1: flight. But then maybe so ma- maybe you're better off, perhaps um, you know, sticking it on a. Well, I don't know. Maybe getting a loan then. But then you know, can, can you can you get a loan? I mean, yeah. if, if this is aimed at people who can't get credit cards, they probably can't get loans either. I don't know. There's just something about it that makes me feel really nervous. I, I don't know. I don't know anyway well
2: i suppose time will tell whether it works or not whether yeah
1: that's true that is true okay mm. right uh whose go is it next i think it's it must be you
0: carlos that's, it's me yeah it's me next yep. i'm just gonna say mash has just made a very good point in the chat room yeah um she said that uh, if you want to treat yourself save the money first yeah you probably have got a good point there Masha. <laughs> yeah that, that's, that's a good point it is a good point yeah absolutely it's um so Moving on then to our next story. This one's on the skift.com. That's uh, S K I F T, skift.com website. And uh, the headline What will the airline cabin of the future look like?
1: Oh, who knows? So,
0: so regardless of how an airplane cabin uh, irks you, no legroom, uh, garbage Wi Fi, scan overhead bin space. Most of the experience is dis- uh, dictated by the carrier flying it. Aircraft manufacturers such as Boeing and Airbus uh, must satisfy their customers, and uh, you are not their customer. Oh, huh, really? Uh, this isn't to say that aircraft fleets are designed solely to pamper the airline balance sheets. In most respects, new planes like the A350 and Boeing 787 and the Bombardier AC series are marvels of comfort compared with models from previous decades. Bombardier! <laughs> Bombardier. Uh, the air is less arid. The windows are larger, uh, and the storage space is more uh, used more efficiently. Uh, one typical stress point for air travel, whether there is a spot for you to carry on, is being addressed by taller overhead bins in two new Airbus models. The A350 and A330neo cabin designers opted an approach that rotates the bag so it sits vertically, much like a uh, book on a bookshelf, instead oh, wow. of the traditional, less efficient horizontal scheme. Mm-hmm. Ingo Wuggetzer, Airbus's uh, Vice President for Cabin Marketing, discussed with Bloomberg Cabin Innovation the tension between airline efficiency and passenger experience and the consortium's airspace cabin introduced earlier this year. Boeing has a similar branded approach called the Boeing Sky Interior. These concepts uh, concepts aim to bridge the divide between comforts and economics by focusing on improved design and environmental elements. At Airbus, the cabin is being introduced on two new long-haul aircraft models, the A330neo and the A350, and, uh, well... So basically what they 're saying is here is that when the airlines buy these uh, these lovely shiny new aircraft, um, some of the airlines want to have a kind of cheap and cheerful interior yeah. but I think I personally think that you know we 're the people who pay the money to fly on the aircraft yeah if, if you know, if you can make a thousand people. Fly out with you over the course of a month and think, God, this airline's really good. The seats are yeah. comfortable. The service is good. The food is good. The drinks are good. The in-flight entertainment is good. Mm. They're going to then go and tell their friends, who then tell their friends, yeah. and blah, blah blah blah. You know, that's what the airline should be focusing on, really. Yeah. I so actually, is, just
1: you know, getting getting the look just, right, making it look impressive, and then you know the the, the the you know the the airline would almost sort of do it for itself. You
0: know. Yeah. Yeah. It's always good advertising, you know. If you, if you offer if you offer a nice, uh, nice interior, I think. Yeah, agreed.
2: Yeah, uh, makes a, a whole lot of difference. Indeed. Okay. I'm a little bit worried about these, uh, these, these vertical um, cabin or uh, uh, I can see yeah. a lot of things getting caught in them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. That is, yeah, that is. Samsung, uh, Samsung yeah. Galaxy. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get, getting yeah. phones stuck down uh, the side, I, I, catching fire, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, yes, the next story, this is on uh, the etcanada.com website, and the headline is Duchess Kate shocks airline passengers by flying to London on British Airways flight. Uh, those, royals are, those royals are full of surprises as the Duchess... Um, of Cambridge, demonstrated once again when she flew to London on a British Airways flight to the shock and delight of her fellow passengers. According to People magazine, Duchess Kate flew commercial on her way back to jolly old England from her recent visit to the Netherlands, her first solo trip as a royal, reportedly wearing a pale blue Catherine Walker skirt suit uh, naturally reports of the royal visit uh, the royal vip in the jet uh, made their way onto social media via tweets such as these and i'll just pop one of the one or two of these up while we're doing it. i won't uh, get too involved in this but it just uh, I'm, I'm afraid my um I'm not sure what is that French or German? I'm not really sure, but anyway, you can see some of the pictures uh, there of uh, of her sort of having a wander through. I, I presume, obviously, she was in first class. I would like to. I would like to think, but uh, yes, yeah, so Kate's common touch, however, did not extend to her exit from the plane, as people reports. The other passengers were not permitted to exit the aircraft until she did, while a car was waiting for her on the tarmac upon rep- arrival. So almost almost
0: human but uh, not quite hey actually when i found this when i found this story it was just the first time this has happened so i think i'm pretty sure that um they've traveled before i think they both uh, have haven't they i, I think it's the ahead.
1: first time that she's traveled on her own um by that I, but i know certainly william has and it may even have been william and kate who flew home on a sort of standard commercial flight as i say i dare say they were in first class obviously
2: <laughs> but i i, I think that's normal practice for the the British royalty, if I'm not mistaken. Um, as they do they have, is it one uh, one sort of royal jet? <laughs> I'm not talking about that, the royal jet that Captain Al works for. But um,
1: oh yeah, I, they, uh, they, I,
2: they have. I, I think it's a um, is it a, an Avro or a J80 or something.
1: It must be, Sometimes it must be cheaper, you know, if if you've only got, like, you well, know, yeah, one person yeah. and, a, and a and a small entourage to sort of travel with. I mean, may, maybe that's maybe that's why they did it. You know, perhaps sometimes it's cheaper to just stick them on, stick them on a BA flight with a load of, uh, with, I, with an entourage.
0: I, it's very, I, thought, I think it's very important for the, for, for the Royals to show that, you know, they could travel like all of us. You know, it's not all posh jets and, mm. uh, and, and private stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I,
2: it's nice in a way that there is um, kind of that that divide between between them breaking down between uh, royal and um, well. <laughs> the
1: common folk the common folk yes, yes, yes as in you or <laughs> i yeah absolutely i don't but I don't, I don't think these guys have have a problem with that anyway do they i mean it's just anyway we're, we're talking about the royals we need to move on probably before somebody starts yes, or the chat yeah. room lights up with complaints <laughs> I <think> else. <laughs> yeah absolutely i'm pleased,
0: pleased, I'm pleased to see it pleased to see they're using uh, using ba anyway well yes absolutely actually while we're, while we're at
1: this point how was your flight out carlos i have to ask the question as as we're talking oh, about right, BA. Okay.
0: So as long as my Skype like
1: does did you? Yeah, yeah. Owen's asking, did you get treated like like
0: royalty? Um, well, so we <laughs> we had a a, a, a good flight. We, we had a fantastic crew. The seven eight seven dash nine Dreamliner we flew on uh, was one of the first ones that BA got. Um, very very nice aircraft indeed. We had really good food. The food was absolutely fantastic. Really really good food. Uh, The cabin crew um, were more than accommodating to me, especially with my geekiness, um, because obviously being me asked to visit the flight deck when we stopped in Abu Dhabi, because we stopped in Abu Dhabi on the way to here, in Oman, on the way here. So they very kindly went and saw the flight deck crew, who said it was fine for me to go up uh, on the flight deck when we arrived at Abu Dhabi. We were on the ground for probably just over half an hour Oh so really it literally I just
1: stopped stopped unloaded reloaded yeah sort of yeah. you know dropped Try off five bus.
0: passengers picked up a few more wow well actually I... we, we, we got rid of probably we got rid of probably 150 passengers and no one else got on uh, but uh, they very kindly um, let me Go up on the flight deck. I had about twenty minutes on the flight deck. Watched the uh, captain and first. Obviously, go through the pre-flight checks and all the charts and all the bits and pieces. And uh, had a good chat with them. They took a card each. ap 2 k card. Did each, they? And, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, on on, uh, on my return to my seat back in economy class, the uh, senior cabin. Uh, they call them a uh, senior cabin director of the night director oh really uh, she very very kindly uh, looked after exceedingly well with, uh, champagne looked
1: after you exceedingly well with champagne oh well Ooh, there we are they're very wow. very posh yes
0: she <laughs> um, also gave us a few other like, little treats and stuff which was really kind of us so um, oh. it, was, um, it was very kind of her indeed but I have to say all in all, um, especially through the booking process, which I, had, I did have a bit of issues with You did, uh, yes. Uh, um, you had, you, in I fact, you even,
1: you even had to consult the Oracle, didn't you, for a little help at one point? I,
0: I, had, to, I had to actually go and speak to Nev, yes. the man that is BA. Uh, I had to speak to Nev, and uh, I ended up um, getting a phone call uh, from BA's uh, media relations team, and um, the mm. guys there. Wow, he's he's very
1: efficient team. with his context there, uh-huh. Nev. Oh, he is absolutely yes, <laughs> it, yes. If if Nev doesn't know them, it's not worth knowing. Let's be honest, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, hats off to the BA, BA, BA guys. They they you know explained everything and um and you know were very good. So good. well done, good. And so
1: so you you've now done the, the housekeeping that you need to do. So you've you've now you now get to sit next to your wife. Do you on
0: the way home? Yes. it's uh, Seats are all booked. So I've done them on the, the wonderful um, BA app. It's all, uh, it's all done. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, there's, a little, there's a little app on the phone. It's, it's quite good, actually. It's kind hmm. a nice little um, intuitive app, actually. You can just click on there, and it's all very shiny, and uh, you can, it has a BA logo and everything. I expect uh, Nev's probably used this a million times I dare before. I say, yes.
1: So, so based uh, on, on that experience, would you fly with BA again?
0: If the oh. price was right, yes, I would fly with BA again. Yeah.
1: Okay. Right. Okay. So the
0: next story, on is for Mr. Owen. Yes, Owen. Yes.
2: Now this is for all the people um, listening who are looking to buy an airport.
1: Yes. Because <laughs>
2: this is from the Blackpool Gazette dot uh, UK. Oh, sorry. Sorry.
1: I'm going to wait. I'm going to interrupt him for a minute. Can you imagine Carlos if if you suddenly went home to your wife and said, "Oh, by
0: the way, I've bought an airport." <laughs> uh, I think it would I'd be, I'd be singing that uh, Dolly Parton song, that D-I-O-R-V... Oh, Oh, you mean you mean
1: right? the divorce song. Okay, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll gloss over that and move on. Sorry. I do carry on. <laughs>
2: Uh I I'm I'm surprised at the length of the time that it, it took you to so answer that um <laughs> seriously he was, seriously considering <laughs> he, was
1: it he, he, he was definitely mulling it over in his head, wasn 't he yeah there, he was definitely giving it some very, very brief thought, but uh, yes it 's just as well the, the wife is ever. in bed let 's be honest, yeah, absolutely it 's our secret <laughs> card. You can still buy the airport it 's fine she 'll never know until the credit card statement comes it 's fine Anyway. <laughs> 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 or, or buy it through cheap air and
2: then you have to, you can do it in monthly instalments.
1: that 's true, monthly installments through cheap air that 's a winning combination. <laughs> He, he's okay, gla- so he's glazed over, yes. Carry on, on. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he's lost interest, I think. Slackpool
2: uh, <laughs> Airport is back up for sale in a shock move. Um, and A letter seen by the Gazette from airport manager Jay Gates has gone out to business partners to tell them that both the operating company Squires Gate Airport Operations Limited and the airport estate itself will be offered for sales. And to reassure them that it will be business as usual in the meantime... The move comes almost two years after Balfour BT
1: Uh,
2: Um, announced the end of international holiday flights at Squires Gate and the temporary closure of the airport after an initial plan to put it up for sale came to nothing. Today, Balfour confirmed the plans to sell up, saying it was part of its continuous review of its investments portfolio. A spokesman said, we have begun very early discussions with a number of organisations regarding the potential sale of Balfour's BC's 95% share in Blackpool Airport. Blackpool Council are aware of these early discussions and it is the council that owns the other 5% share. The news has been greeted with cautious welcome by campaigners who would like to see the holiday flights return and by the MP in whose constituency it lies. Files, Mark Menzies he said that whoever eventually takes over should look to maintain and develop the aviation business on the site and not merely view it as a building development opportunity. Mr. Menzies said it has always been my view that Blackpool Airport is an integral piece of the filed coast transport infrastructure and I was extremely disappointed when commercial holiday operators ceased flying from the resort in 2014. While it is now operating again on a limited basis, it may be that that it is time for a new owner, owner with a clear business plan, which will make proper use of this valuable asset. However, let me be clear, the site should only be bought by someone planning to operate and hopefully reinvigorate the airport. Anyone who may be thinking that this is an opportunity for development should think again as they would face opposition from an unprecedented scale from people across the Filed, filed co- Coast. Wow. When the airport was being considered for uh, enterprise zone status, I made it clear that I would only support a plan which retained the runway with a view to making the overall site profitable and able to, again, to sustain airport functions. Throughout this period, my focus has only been on reopening the airport, and I hope to see it operating as a successful entity again in the near future. Bob Blower from Save the Blackpool Airport Group said that the said the news of the sale was a surprise. Um, it's a nice ha- surprise, however, he said. Whoever buys it needs to be someone with an aviation background and not just someone looking to exploit the land. So I think that um, all of the PTUK listeners fall into that category.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the private
2: and general aviation uh, has kept the airport's head above water, and we would like to see that safeguarded. The airport is a lot more attractive to potential buyers now than it was two years ago, with all the debt hanging over it. Uh, He said the Enterprise Zone made it even more attractive to investors, but added the dream would be to bring back international flights. Um, The Energy uh, College is coming along well where the terminal used to be, and they did promise to build another. Uh, There is plenty of room to build a terminal, but that would be starting from scratch, so it would need to be someone with a bit of vision. At the time of the closure, on October 16, 2014, Balfour, which bought it in 2008, said the holiday flights were causing losses of £1.5 a year and debts had hit £34 million. Uh, The airport had been profitable and in 2007 handled in excess of half a million passengers before the global recession hit hard and numbers fell to 223,372 passengers, to be precise. In 2014, I
1: that's a very, very specific number. Uh, that's, that's very good. I think we'll we'll leave that story there. But it's, so yeah, basically, if you've got a very large chequebook, uh, uh, Blackpool Airport is essentially up for grabs. That's uh, very, very cool. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I hope they can. Re- I hope they can return um, sort of commercial flights to to Blackpool because I mean, it, it is there isn't a great. I mean, I don't know. I, I'll I'll throw this out to our marvelous listeners. Uh, is there much um, sort of in in the Blackpool area? The, the, you know sort of, or lancashire and the lake district uh, what what are the alternatives uh, um, airport wise in that sort of area
0: well i've seen a map I i'm
1: not 100% sure yeah it just sort of seems it is
2: in, I'm, I'm manchester and liverpool quite close yeah, just, yeah perhaps they or am are am I, am i completely my
0: no, you're probably you're really probably. Photography was never my strong. Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, mine neither, which is very unfortunate given what I do for a living. But anyway, there we are. We yeah, will well... We'll, <laughs> we'll gloss over that and, uh, and move on. Oh, Manchester, uh, the legend that is student pilot Matt has said Manchester is the nearest. So perhaps oh, pa- perhaps that's the issue. Perhaps there isn't need really for for a regional airport when it's so close yeah. to. I mean, I must I must well, say. I
2: mean, that was. A bit more than uh, a regional airport because they used to do flights to Alicante and to Pamela Mallorca, uh, Malaga, all over the south of Spain really, um, as well as some other, you know, international destinations, I think,
1: I could be
0: wrong. Mm. Yeah, they've got uh, their, their runway, runway 10 uh, and one uh, runway 28, uh, they've got a length of 6,000. Oh, hello, dog. Who let the uh, 6, dogs out? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Their, uh, their runway length is uh, is 6,132 feet, which mm-hmm. is not actually that bad a length runway. Yeah, really. so that,
2: that's, that's quite a sizable that is. length runway. I? I think uh, Concorde could have landed there.
0: If <laughs> well, yeah. Memory absolutely. serves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I suppose, think they could, only anyway. needed
1: 6,000.
0: I have to. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's true yeah do you know the really really sad thing when I said that you know it's like the Baja men who let the dogs out it suddenly occurred to me that Owen's probably not actually old enough to even remember that song being released which is slightly depressing
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: Oh, uh, it, it was in a lot of films right yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah i he not remember shaggy dog or... yeah yeah he, he, rem- he remembers listening to it on one of those like vh1 type channels that he accidentally flicked over That's to it. yeah absolutely <laughs> anyway uh yes okay Yeah, so, uh... so the last
0: the last story we have for this segment this week is we haven't had one for a while and to make things even harder for the Skype and everything else, <laughs> yeah. that, it's, it's a top 10. It is. A, I don't know why I was thinking about this.
1: So it's. Uh, <laughs> uh, what order is it in, boys and girls? I haven't really had a chance we to. Start, start from the bottom
0: of the. So we need uh, to go
1: uh, to the bottom of, of the story, do we? And start from the yep. bottom. So what,
0: what top 10 is this, Mr. Smith? Uh,
1: the, this is. Oh, dear. You're, make, you're asking me now, aren't you? So it's aerospace technology.com is the website. So that's aerospace technology.com. And it's the top 10 longest-range airliners in the world. We'll make a start, so um, I'll leave you gentlemen to swap stories. We'll start with Carlos first, and I'll do what I normally do. So,
0: in at number 10. <laughs> At number 10, it's uh, the good old Airbus A350 900. The Airbus A350 900 is the 10th longest range airliner, reaching a maximum distance of up to 14,350 kilometers or 8,250 nautical miles. Mm-hmm. It's one of the variants in the A350 XWB family and the aircraft can accommodate 315 passengers into a two-class seating configuration. The maiden flight of the A350-900 took place in 2013, and the first aircraft uh, is expected to enter service with Qatar Airways in the second half, which it did in 2014. Airbus have received 509 orders for the A350-900 aircraft to date. Fitted with Rolls-Royce Trent XWB engines, uh, the aircraft has been designed to deliver exceptional fuel con- uh, economy and to attain a maximum speed of Mach 0.89. Excellent.
1: Uh, well, there we are. And in at
0: number nine.
2: Number nine is Boeing 7300ER, which is the extended ER, And it's the ninth longest range aircraft flying to 1,490 kilometres or uh, 7,000... 825 nautical miles and it can carry 386 passengers in a typical three-class cabin layout. The aircraft can operate for up to 15 hours between long-haul destinations such as Los Angeles, Sydney, New York, Hong Kong, Singapore, London, Paris, Los Angeles and Dubai, New York. The triple 300 ER was rolled out by Boeing in September of 1996 so I
1: was alive then. Oh good, (laughs) I'm so pleased. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the
0: oh, aircraft dude.
2: completed its uh, maiden flight in October 1996 British Airways was the launch customer taking the first 777-300ER delivery in February of 1997 the air- power- aircraft is powered by General Electric G90-115 the engines generating thrust of 115,300 pounds of thrust Which is huge. Indeed. Uh, Typical cruise speed of the aircraft is uh, at 35,000 feet is Mach
1: 0.84.
0: Wow. In at number eight at number eight why do i seem to be getting all the airbus things? because it's oh, your favorite dear. aircraft in the scare whole wide bus. world <laughs> stop it so <laughs> in at in at number eight is the uh, the scarebus a340 stop six calling 600. it a
1: scare bus otherwise i'm going to sorry, mute you no. <laughs> <laughs> i enjoy having all so this power by the way i can silence him with a single button press thank you
0: yeah all right sorry yeah anyway. to you yeah well. indeed. Uh, don't, don't, don't forget, I you're present today Did anyway you. the A340-600 thought yeah, 14600 kilometers range the A340-600 is the eighth longest uh, passenger Uh, range passenger aircraft in the world. The airliner offers seating for 359 passengers in a typical three-class configuration. The A340-600 made its first flight in April 2001. Virgin Atlantic Airways became the launch customer, taking delivery of the first aircraft in August 2002. More than 130 A340-600 aircraft have been delivered to date. To customers across the world. The power plant includes four Rolls Royce Trent 550 engines generating a maximum thrust of 240 uh, kN uh, kilonewtons. The airliner flies at a maximum speed of Mach 0. 0.86. Ooh, and in at number seven,
2: in at number seven is Airbus 350, A350 1000. The Airbus A350-1000 with a design range of 14,800 kilometers or 8,000 nautical miles ranks as the seventh longest range passenger aircraft in the world. It is the largest version of the A350-XWB family, uh, accommodating 369 passengers in A2-class cabin layout. Airbus received uh, 176 orders for A350-1000 aircraft to date, Uh, the first... aircraft is expected to enter service in 2017, and the aircraft can even carry 400 passengers when configured with a higher density layout. Two Rolls-Royce Trent XWB engines with a rate of power of 432 kilonewtons each provide propulsion to the airliner. The power plant enables the aircraft to attain a maximum operating speed of Mach 0.89.
0: In at number six. At number six, it's the good old reliable Boeing 747-8. Oh, yawn. Sorry. (laughs) The uh, punches will be flying to Matt's arm when I... Anyway, the uh, Boeing (laughs) 747-8... I know uh, the 717 8 Intercontinental's range of 14,815 kilometres or 8,000 nautical miles makes it the sixth longest range airliner in the world. In the world. In the it world. Can carry, uh, that's it. <laughs> that's you can can. Channel your inner Clarkson. that's it. Yeah. It can carry 467 passengers in the three-class configuration between the typical cities pairs of New York, Hong Kong, Los Angeles, Mumbai and London, Singapore. The 747-8 is the largest passenger aircraft in the 747 series. The aircraft completed its maiden flight in March 2011 and the first 787-8I Intercontinental was handed over to launch customer Lufthansa in June 2012. The airliner is equipped with four General Electric Ginex two B67 engines, developing a maximum thrust of sixty-six and a half thousand pounds of thrust. The 747-8 Intercontinental has a maximum cruise speed of Mach 0.855 at an altitude of thirty-five thousand feet. Ooh, in at number
2: five. So number five is Boeing's 787-8 Dreamliner. Ooh. The Boeing 787-8 Dreamliner, with a range of 14,200 to 15,200 kilometres, is the fifth longest-range airliner in the world. It consumes less fuel compared to similarly sized aircraft and can carry up to 250 passengers. The 787. The 8 Dreamliner program was launched in April 2004, and the first flight was made in December 2009. All Nippon Airways AMA took delivery of the first 787-8 aircraft in September 2011. The aircraft is powered by two General Electric's GE NX-1B engines or two Rolls-Royce Trent 1000 engines, developing a thrust of 329 kilonewtons. These engines ensure a cruise speed of Mach 0.85, while offering reduced fuel consumption.
0: And in at number four. At number four, it's uh, an aircraft I've flown on a few times, and I have to say it's lovely, and it is an Airbus. (gasps) What? What? I I can hear you, and I can hear Captain Al, and I can hear everyone saying, huh? What's he saying?
1: I can only assume it's the Skype line playing up. That's that. <laughs> What's going on? Oh, no, it
0: has it has yeah, frozen. No, oh, there you are. <laughs> oh, no, you're back. No, I'm back. That's <laughs> the world's biggest passenger aircraft for its massive passenger capacity of 853. Mind you, that is at, at maximum capacity. Uh, it's one of the largest range, or longest ranges there, or longest Range airlines with a range of up to fifteen thousand seven hundred kilometres or eight thousand four hundred and seventy-seven nautical miles. The A350 uh, program was launched in December two thousand. Blimey, that's sixteen years ago. That's, that's ages ago. Yeah, and uh, successfully. Um, nearly as old as I. To vehicles. be fair. <laughs> no. Yeah, the first flight was successfully conducted in April. 2005 the first a380 entered service with launch customer singapore airlines in 2007 the aircraft is equipped with four rolls royce trent 900 engines or four engine alliance gp7200 engines the power plant provides a maximum speed of mac 0.89 Ooh, anyway number three
2: Number three is uh, the aircraft uh, that you're going to be flying on very, very shortly. It's the Boeing 787-9 Dreamliner. Yay. The Boeing 787-9 Dreamliner with a range of 14,800 to 15,750 kilometers uh, stands third amongst the 10 longest range airliners in the world. Developed as a slightly larger variant of the 787-8, The aircraft can carry up to 290 passengers. The 787-9 Dreamliner completed its maiden flight in September 2013, and it's scheduled to enter service with Air New Zealand in mid-2014, which it obviously already has. Um, Boeing has (laughs) received orders for 396 787-9 from 26 customers to date. And the power plant of the 787-9 consists of two Rolls-Royce Trent 1000s or two General Electric's GENX-1B engines, ensuring the aircraft can take off with a maximum weight of 250,836 kilograms. Wow. And not a kilo over. No, indeed. <laughs> Perish
1: the thought that you up. should put an extra kilo in there. That just bad things will happen. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, and his cruise speed is Mach
0: 0.85. Wow. Wow. Number two. Uh, number two, it is another Airbus. Uh, this one, this time, it is the A340-500. The A340-500 is the world's second longest ranged airliner, allowing for a maximum distance of sixteen thousand six hundred and seventy kilometers, or nine thousand nautical miles, with flight durations of up to nineteen hours. God, that's a dream flight for me. The uh, A340- oh, yeah, see, in, in the, a- the world
1: of Matt, that's just a nightmare. That, that's what that is. <laughs> no, that's
0: lovely. So the A340-500 took to the skies for the first flight in February 2002 and made its debut with Emirates in December 2003. The aircraft has a capacity to house a maximum of 375 passengers. For... Uh, Rolls-Royce Trent 500 engines, each generating thrust of up to 249 kilonewtons, provide a maximum operating speed of Mach 0.86 to the aircraft, while the fuel tanks can hold up to 222,850 litres. Wow. Wow, that's,
1: that's, that's just frightening. That's insane. Yeah, it is. Agreed. That, that is a fuel bill I would not want to pick no. up. No, indeed. And very finally at number one.
2: Number one is the Triple Seven Dash two hundred LR. Spoiler. Boeing Triple (laughs) Seven The Triple Seven Two Hundred L R is the longest range airliner with a range of seventeen thousand three hundred and ninety five kilometers. Or nine thousand three hundred and ninety five nautical miles. Wow. The aircraft was rolled out by Boeing in February 2005 and can carry 301 passengers in a typical three-class configuration. The 7200LR made its first flight in March 2005 and received certification from the FAA and European Aviation Safety Agency in February 2006. The first aircraft entered service with Pakistan International Airlines in March 2006. And uh, the aircraft is integrated with three optional body fuel tanks enabling such a long range. It can fly long-haul destinations such as New York, Singapore, Perth, London. Oh, my God. Uh, wow. New York, Auckland, Chicago, Sydney, and Miami, Taipei. Wow.
1: Blimey, that's frightening, isn't it? That's,
2: that, that is incredible. Um, yeah. The GE-90... A one one zero B one or the GE ninety one one five BL turbofans provide the aircraft with a cruise speed of zero point eight four Mach at thirty five thousand feet. Wow! Wow, that is just that is pretty. Insane. Actually, well,
1: uh, I'm just listening. I'm just uh, reading some of the the stuff going on here in the chat room here. And like Nev was saying, I did a 13 hours in economy uh, from Singapore to London. Kill me now. Uh, uh, th- <laughs> those who are in the chat room at the moment, uh, what are your? What's your longest long haul flight that the people in the chat room have done before? I'm going to ask you. Owen, what's the longest flight that you've ever um, done?
2: I've definitely done a 14 hour flight. Uh, I can't exactly remember where it was from. It was from somewhere in Europe to Japan. Uh, But if my memory serves, it was Istanbul
1: to Japan. Wow. Uh,
2: Istanbul to Osaka was 14 hours, I think. And that was because of... The jet stream that particular day. Right. It was scheduled 13-hour uh, flight or so, um, but just because of the jet stream, it was—or <laughs> maybe it was scheduled 12 hours. Uh, we- but the bonus was that on the way back, uh, we were three hours early.
1: Right, gosh, that, that made quite a difference <laughs> then coming home. So uh, yeah, it,
2: it made a huge, huge difference indeed yeah the, um, the lovely Barbara so she probably the longest
1: one she, uh, the lovely Barbara in the chat room saying that she did 14 hours from Dubai to Sydney 9 hours on a central seat uh, on an Acme Red 747 is my record that's uh, student pilot Ooh. Matt um, that was London to Miami 10 hours uh, Tony S is saying uh, <laughs> Andrew Wilson welcome uh, Andrew Wilson you, uh, as I say sort of first time uh, listener watcher viewer whatever uh, certainly from the live he's <laughs> he's saying I did 40 minutes on a Q400, that is bad enough. Uh, that's perhaps a bit harsh. Uh, uh, Amsterdam no, well to Washington. To yeah, sorry. I said, well done to you. Well, Andrew. indeed, it's one heck of a yeah, that forty I've minutes. D- I've done two hours
2: in an ATR 42.
1: Right. Okay.
2: For two and a half hours. That was quite a, a long flight.
1: <laughs> I think. I think. I, I don't know. Uh, you'll have to see what you say about this, Carlos. But um, uh, M- Matty Faber said I'd done three hours in a Cessna 150 with a flight examiner. That was the worst flight ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I done.
0: I'd done uh, uh, twelve minutes. Uh, it, when I done my first solo in a Cessna 150, really, that was that was a very nice flight.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that. Masha says eight hours in economy, but luckily I had an empty seat next to me, so that always helps, doesn't it?
0: Uh, uh, I think the yeah, longest is.
1: flight because I. Cause I, I it's I flew to um i flew to uh, new zealand uh and i flew uh, i think it was i can't remember, it was it, it was uh, 13 and 16 so i think it was 13 hours to kuala lumpur and then it was uh 16 hours from uh, kuala lumpur to uh, auckland uh so that's the longest wow. two flights that, that i ever did and, and ironically my fear of flying happened not basically not well not after that I was actually all right up till that point and then I, then I became a big wuss. Uh, <laughs> but uh, wow,
2: so I, just, uh, can... I, th- I think you win.
0: Yeah, yeah. Can I just say this, that I, I think I'm, I'm going to try and do the shortest flight ever. Are you? My shortest flight ever uh, was uh, with a little nano drone that I brought online, and uh, after I got it online and put uh, charged the battery up. Uh, I took off from the uh, from the, um, the the stairs in my house, and proceeded to smash it into the floor oh, downstairs, dear. and it was about <laughs> a three-second flight.
1: But uh, to, to be honest, unless no. you had unless you had ants on board, Carlos, I don't think we can really class it as a flight as such because it was just like you know we're talking that we're talking sort of like like you know actual uh, aircraft, flight. yeah, passenger <laughs> flight. So as I say, unless you would picked up a few insects en route, who you were, were sort of thumbing a lift as it were. Uh, uh, was Nev says I did three hours in an F fifty flight, was scheduled for one hour, but it was held for two hours due to fog. Uh, <laughs> It's uh, right yes. here. Uh, so what about you, Carlos? What's what's the longest flight you've ever done?
0: Uh, for me it was fourteen hours from the UK to the Maldives Islands from Dubai. Oh
1: wow. Okay, cool. Um, Right, well, uh, okay, what what we're going to do then, uh, we're going to have a little chat to our our special guest in just a moment. Uh, But I think what we should do now, if that's all right with everyone, is we are going to uh, just play out a little video that I took when I was uh, at Duxford on Monday. I was very lucky that I managed to, I got to spend the day there. And I got to meet up with a very, very lovely lady. Now, she's actually sent me an email, which I'm going to read out uh, for you now. And it says, basically, Hi Matt, it was great to meet up with you on Monday at Duxford and thanks for showing me around the Land Warfare Museum. It was great to see you at work as captain of your splendid coach and all your little school children. The last time I was at Duxford was about 13 years ago when I volunteered with the Concorde team maintaining the aircraft. I said on our Duxford video that I didn't remember the Duxford Land Warfare building 13 years ago but I believe my memory of all the tanks being outside was in the late 1980s because the building was opened in 1992. I think. Um, hope the um, <laughs> the curty Grounded Air hostess didn't frighten you too much and hope you enjoyed your flight, uh, your in-flight googie bag, by the way, most of the contents of which I consumed the very second that I got that I was left on my own uh, which <laughs> it, it included a goodie bag of socks, shower cap, eye blinds Apple, Yorkie bar and Kit Kat. Hope it cheered you up Matt, it certainly made the two guys in the white van laugh. As you read <laughs> As you read, as you read out, um, sorry, as you read out in your recent podcast, I bought the toy uh, cabin crew Emirates hat in Dubai Airport two years ago. I thought it would get uh, out out of the back of the wardrobe, blow the, thought I'd get it out of the back of the wardrobe. Sorry, blow the dust off and surprise you. But then I thought, no, might as well go the whole hog and get the whole uniform, which cost me about ten quid in total from a charity shop. So eat your heart out, Ryanair. Uh, oh no, don't uh, go giving them any ideas. <laughs> maybe maybe Ryanair and some other airlines could uh, make their cabin crew uh, half wing badges out of what I made uh, them from, which was a bit of gold card stuck on with with <laughs> glue uh, to a bit of black felt from a hobby craft. Uh, just think of the profits that they could be that they could make. So, uh, so yes. I'm just going to play this little video for you right now. It's only a couple of minutes long, but uh, hope everybody enjoys it. <laughs> Well, I don't know if you can hear me, but uh, hello. We are at, uh, or say me, myself and Barbara. Yeah. Uh, one of our lovely listeners has just met up. Oh, we've, uh, <laughs> we've had coffee. It's been a, it's been a yes. lovely day. Uh, and it's uh, turned up in a very amusing, a wonderful uh, uh-huh. little outfit. The, yeah. And I love the Emirates hat. My Emirates outfit, which I have <laughs> taken off now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we've I'm been... not collapsing on my high heels <laughs> anymore. We've had a great wander, we went over because I'm I'm more of a, don't tell anyone, but I'm more of a militaria fan than than aircraft so we've had a wander around there and we've also just had a little wander around, I'll just point over there that's the, um, that there is the American hangar, Uh, as I say we're here at Duxville, we just had a bit of a wander around and uh, yeah, as I say, I've been lucky enough to bump into Barbara while we're here. So uh, how are you? <laughs> I'm
0: fine. Splendid, oh,
1: it's splendid. Great to meet you I, here. I can't believe you. I, as I say, I can't believe you just happened to be sort of well, well sort oh, of I'm passing. Perfect.
0: I'm
2: passing. I'm actually going down. To the M25. Oh, I am sorry. And just down to the south coast. Sever- I know. <laughs> oh, lovely. So I thought I'd pop in to see you, Matt. Yeah, I know
1: Because I'm here with a primary school. As I say, we'll we'll we'll, we'll pop some photos up yeah. uh, of uh, where we went and went and had a sit in the coach, didn't we? Yes. <laughs> and I
2: did surprise Matt. You did when absolutely.
1: I <laughs> it was a complete surprise. I was yeah. busy having a cup of coffee. I have to confess <laughs> when 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 Barbara arrived and, and the and the lovely staff here at the museum came and got me. And uh, yes, it was a bit of a shock when I walked round. Especially and, uh, when you saw what I was wearing. <laughs> well, I know, actually. <laughs> Brilliant. But, but you've uh, got your in-flight goodie bag. I have, yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's got all sorts of things in it. It's got a shower cap, yeah. it's got toothbrush, uh, a toothbrush. Um, yeah, absolutely. A Yorkie bar, obviously, You me absolutely. far too well. You've got, got to have a Yorkie bar. And um, socks as well, absolutely. So my <laughs> feet will be... Uh, I don't think they're quite... They're not flight socks, necessarily, but... Uh, no, no. That's Brilliant, so they're it is. Yes. Thank you for so. my goodie. I'm going to eat all the chocolate on the way home. You realise that, don't yes. you? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yes, yeah, so... Um, now, you saying you haven't been here for about... fourteen. Thirteen yes, years! Yeah, wow. 13 wow years. I
2: used to volunteer here with the Concord crew. Yeah. maintaining that. Yeah. Uh, I haven't been here for thirteen years, so I can't believe the changes.
1: Really? Yeah. And you were saying actually the bit where we went over to the the um, the land museum, yeah. if you like that, yeah. all used to be outside.
2: All no, used to be outside. Just put it all indoors now. Wow. So, yeah it's very impressive
1: yeah absolutely yeah really so uh, yeah I, I'm now running out of time and you've got to get on to your next appointment but yeah. uh, we thought we'd better just um, do a little piece for the show otherwise Carlos will kill me and uh, yeah so from, from live yeah. from Duxford yes. goodbye everyone bye everyone bye bye and there we have it. That was a, a little uh, little bit that I put together. So apologies if uh, you, you're listening. Uh, if you take yourself to our YouTube channel, you'll be able to watch that um, uh, go out live or, or, or show the She's video. She's lovely. She is know? lovely. No, honestly, I had a really really lovely time. Absolutely lovely. An amazing day. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was just as I say, we had to wander I'm around Yeah, uh, yeah, no, it was no, great. Me too. Me too. Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah. As I say, and if you if you haven't been to Duxford, boys and girls, what on earth are you doing? You need to get yourselves there, like <laughs> now, because it's really good. That
2: would be me on. Uh... I'm, yeah. ashamed, to say. Oh, I'm ashamed to say. And
1: you're so close to it. I to- I've already told you, Owen, I know, I'm actually going to come and pick you yeah. up one day and actually take you to Duxford. <laughs> but uh, yes, no, it's, it's brilliant. Fun, it's uh, and, and as I say, my, my in-flight goodie bag, especially, uh, which Barbara went to a great deal of uh, of trouble to do. As I say, I popped uh, the, some of the pictures I put up uh, as part of that little video. Um, but um, yeah, as I say, and you mustn't forget also in that in that little uh, goodie bag also was a genuine United Emirates mini-toothbrush with mini-toothpaste. By the way, so uh, wow. which has proved to be very handy because I'd forgotten to bring my toothpaste. Post- toothpaste, I, actually, I think, yeah. So I <laughs> think that, that
0: you should employ uh, Barbara to be your your permanent uh, hostess on the. Oh, uh, quite right. Absolutely.
1: Was to say, uh, I don't know if you uh, saw it the the, the little picture because uh, 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 she had a very very long distance ride from the coach park round to the front of the building when I went to go and pick the the children up. But uh, yeah, it was uh, we had a lovely uh, had a lovely lovely day. It it was it was really good fun so thank you very very much barbara for coming to meet me uh as i say i really enjoyed uh, your company uh, and it was it made it made a very nice day even more special Aww. so well done man. cue the music uh if i could find it i would <laughs> <laughs> i found it i found it nobody panic here
0: we go here we go
1: yeah smoking jacket oh, on everyone. Yes, let's do so, this.
0: With the music then that that's playing, we have uh, we have this week uh, got a big special thank you to uh, mention it to uh, someone who's actually in the chat room right now. Uh, a big thank you to Andrew Wilson, who has very kindly donated via the PayPal method uh, on the uh, PTUK website. And uh, he's very kindly donated to us. And uh, we just want to say a massive, massive thank you to Andrew Wilson and to all our donators who donate through Patreon as well. Don't forget to... Those, uh, those Patreon donations help us to, uh, to fund the show and our um, Libsyn server fees and our website hosting fees and also for us to keep and maintain all the bits and pieces of equipment that you could probably see the widescreen shot in the studio there where Matt is. And also, we have, uh, for those of you who watched the air show special we did done at Seething will know that we had a nice new PTUK banner. Uh, we did. Which we had on our stand. yes. I, mean, I just see him in the in the studio where I'm <laughs> Yes, okay, I think
1: everyone indeed, yes, seriously, thanks ever so much, guys for all your wonderful support. Um, it just helps to make uh, make things a bit easier because I say because we do fund it ourselves, don 't we Carlos, but it 's nice to sort of have a bit of uh, it 's nice to know that the, the listeners uh, are willing to sort of help us out with that, so thank you very, very much, okay, right. It's time then. So uh, as you probably notice, he's been reading out stories uh, all the way through the show. Uh, and it gives me great pleasure to to welcome officially as our as our guest now uh, is the lovely Owen. Now, um, uh, oh, some people may not actually know, but you are actually cabin crew for a low cost airline. And uh, yes. I, I, I can only imagine, uh, and I don't suppose um, the passengers are anywhere as n- nearly as nice as the lovely Barbara who was on uh, my coach here on Monday. Oh, no, but I mean,
2: uh, how, how could you get any nicer than Barbara? Well, that's
1: true. I mean, it's, it's, honestly, mate, how, what on earth is it like? It must be so frustrating sometimes.
2: <laughs> um, oh, it's it's a it's a fantastic job. I mean, we get passengers ranging from the people that you know make the news stories. Uh, right off the way to um, the most lovely people that you could ever meet, uh, people who just really, really make your jet, make your day. Um, yeah, so a yeah, big range of passengers, which, which makes the day interesting. Well,
1: how did it all happen? What, what um, where, where did the uh, have? Where did the love of aviation come from? And and how did you end up basically becoming cabin crew?
2: Um, so my love of aviation was uh, kind of kindled living under the flight path of the approach to dublin airport when i was very very young and um, and then from there i suppose i've always had a very keen interest in it Um, and i wanted to become a pilot for a very very long time Um, and i started taking some flying lessons in cork with the with after there uh, which is a great training school um, uh, all the while I was in university um, and I was doing my other part time job which is uh, which was uh, being a, gym- a gymnastics instructor but uh, ultimately I wanted to get into aviation, I was always looking towards getting into aviation um, so one of the days I decided you know what, I'm just going to go for it and uh, looked up what Airlines were hiring at that point, and it happened to be uh, this airline uh, that I work for now. So yeah. went down to a kind uh, of open day slash interview, uh, and lovely people there, um, and yeah, got got hired and was in training about three weeks later
1: so i mean now you you haven't been in the job very long i think it's safe to to say that so you i mean Uh, when did you start
2: not not long at all um so i I started training in early may uh finished training in late june uh and was online from the very very early july uh and yeah Uh, so that's what Three
1: and a half months at this stage. Now, and now you're normally based outside London, um, but uh, you've actually been stationed somewhere else for a little while, which is why. Because originally, when we were planning to do this, you were going to be on a nice, stable connection, not a million miles away from uh, from where we are, and it was all going to be hopefully a lot smoother than this is currently. But uh, it was. I mean, I, so h- how have you ended up basically in Malaga? Because you're you're there for a month, aren't you?
2: Uh, so basically, they said, um, or oh, well, the, the 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 managers and supervisors in London said that they needed people out in Malaga to help with uh, the the winter routes, because um, as people may or may not know, uh, we can only work 900 hours a year. Uh, once all of your hours are used up, then uh, you can't fly anymore." Um, and I suppose in the summer it gets quite busy. So, seeing as I've only started, it makes a lot of sense for me with high uh, high hours left uh, until I hit that 900 mm. hours to go and um, support the crew in Malaga for quite a long uh, for well a month uh, while they while they get their winter schedules up and running. Um, so that's that's what I'm doing in Malaga for a month, which I have to say is lovely. The days are—I uh, wouldn't say shorter—but they, we only do two sectors, so we only fly to the uh, fly to the destination and back, which is so much um, so much easier than doing four sectors or uh, six sectors, as the case may be, in London. <laughs>
1: So, um, uh, a great question uh, coming from uh, in, in the chat room now. You can probably see them in front of you. Um, so, we'll go with, um, obviously, uh, uh, Matty Fab is asking, uh, do you have any plans to become a pilot? I, I guess that's the dream, is it?
2: Ah, oh, that's the dream. I, I'm still chipping away at my PPL. Um, so, I well, I haven't, I haven't been doing quite a lot of it recently, seeing as I've uh, been moving around, I've been training, and... Been taking in lots of cabin crew information rather than uh, pilot information, but yeah, yeah uh, still plans to be on pilot. Although, you know, not too sure if it's going to be uh, commercially at the moment. But we'll 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 work from the PPL. We'll see.
1: Yeah. See how things goes
2: after that. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Uh, t- tony is, then, uh tony s is s is asking that i mean obviously low cost airlines are, are famous for um having troublesome passengers occasionally, especially with regard to like alcohol consumption and things like that. Have you experienced any disruptive passengers so far
2: um well, not disruptive in the way that I've had to fill out paperwork it, <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I, I suppose we moved the goalpost slightly for that yeah um but uh, I have had one passenger who uh, almost outright refused to sit down while we were still taxiing in uh, in Bucharest and uh, that was that was quite difficult to deal with um, he said he was perfectly entitled to stand up and look for his phone while he was uh, while we were taxiing and this guy was was not small he was uh, six foot. I'd say three anyway, right. and uh, quite big in the other direction too. Okay, right, um, yes.
1: Tall as he was, wide, yes. Yeah, I
2: mean, uh, it ended up that uh, the captain ended up breaking quite hard, and he went into the seat in front, Ooh, uh, which handy. luckily didn't have any passengers on him. Yeah. Uh, and then he, he turned around and he asked me, well, what did you do that for? And I was, well, you know
1: it's not something that I can do absolutely yeah yeah i yeah In i'm the on the same of aircraft as you, you know the captain's locked away um yeah.
2: oh yes most definitely yeah yeah
1: did 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 you did you see me go on a radio yeah absolutely, oh wow, oh dear um,
2: yeah so I, I suppose that's the closest i've come to uh disruptive passengers so far, and uh touchwood that's the the um the most disruptive i guess. <laughs>
1: Well, that's good. I'm not that, a big
2: fan of the paperwork after the No, so, indeed.
1: Um, and, and, and let's hope that that, that never changes. But um, uh, Nevers yes. asked, um, uh, how difficult are the 25 minute turnarounds between sectors? Uh,
2: that's a very good question. And truthfully, they are the most difficult uh, portion of the day. Well, I think so anyway. Uh, in 25 minutes, we have to come to a stop. Uh, open the doors, plane all of the passengers from the previous pli- flight. Uh, then we have to do a security search of the aircraft, uh, which involves looking uh, down the size of all the seats, making sure no one has left anything suspicious or any sort of uh, any other items that they may have forgotten, because we can't fly out in the next flight if we have any of those items on board. And uh, then we have to clean the aircraft, which can take a long time depending on uh, what sort of flights it is uh, what sort of people we have on board that day and then we have to um, we have to board the next flight which you know can take mm. at least 15 minutes so it's uh, it's it's very difficult but it is doable and I've done it 20 minutes before in Brno in uh, the Czech Republic where it's they've got some absolutely fantastic ground staff that really really help you out there uh, they're really really good I have to say
1: so I mean that must that must be a real real issue really actually. Is you you know if, as long as you get lots of support from your ground crew and stuff, then then as I say, you say you can actually do it in a in a shorter time. But uh, yeah, it must be. Uh... Oh
2: yeah, it, I mean it's definitely doable, um, but everything needs to be coordinated absolutely perfectly, and that goes down to. Uh... I know the problem in London is is quite often the assistance. Uh, If we have any wheelchair passengers on board or any blind passengers on board who have booked assistance with the assistance company from the airport, sometimes they can take a while to get to the aircraft and that slows the whole thing down. So we rely on a combination of the flights being on time or early um, as well as uh, you know, good communications from the cockpit to the ground while we're still mm. in flight to make sure that everything's uh, there when when we when we arrive, uh, and also of course communications between the cockpit and the the cabin crew uh, tell us if we've got uh, a slot or if we have to be out by a certain time or uh, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of communication. It's 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 quite a stressful stressful time. Uh, during
0: the boarding. I bet. But, I uh, bet.
2: It's definitely doable. So,
0: so my, my question to you then, Owen, is uh, obviously we, we see these um, fly-on-the-wall kind of documentary series and stuff on telly where they show cabin crew training and, and what goes on. How, how hard is the uh, training that you, that you have to do?
2: Oh, well, the training is... Uh, it's intense. It's like drinking through a fire hose. It really is. Uh, we've got our home manual to get through in six weeks uh, and it starts with um, three weeks of what we call, or two and a half weeks rather, of initial training which is, um, it basically deals with everything that you need to know about the operations side of things um, and kind of what happens on the on the aircraft in a typical day in terms of Operation, rather than in terms of uh, in terms of service, um, and that that takes two weeks. Uh, we have a huge amount of exams. Uh, I had an exam every single day, which the pass rate was, if I remember correctly, it's ninety percent wow. for every exam.
1: That's yeah. a, that's big. Um, yeah, yeah. When you
2: only have a day to learn this stuff, it's it's quite quite pressuring. Um, And the stuff, a lot of the stuff in initial is common sense, but there's a huge amount of it. There's an absolute enormous amount of uh, this information Mm. that you have to go through. And then once initial is finished, you do about two weeks of conversion, uh, which is basically the specifics of that particular aircraft. So for me, I am certified on the 737-8. Yeah, the seven three seven eight hundred, uh, and that that's the only aircraft that I'm certified to fly on. Um, but we learn the specifics of that aircraft. For for example, how much oxygen we have on board, or uh, how the slides work, how much of anything there is in the first aid kit, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, going right into the details of like fire drills evacuation drills all that sort of stuff so,
1: so in some respects actually it's it's rather similar to the pilots in the fact that you sort of almost get type rated depending on what aircraft that you're flying it's the same for for sort of cabin crew almost you're actually sort of type yeah, rated yeah. for 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 it's, operating the cabin of that specific aircraft
2: it's very very similar um uh, although it, it's aircraft specific and it's not Cabin layout specific, if you know what I mean. Right, yeah. So, okay. <clears throat> for those airlines who have different cabin layouts in the same aircraft, once you're certified for that aircraft, you're certified to fly in all of them, which uh, I'm not too sure if it's the same for pilots, but yeah. I suppose in some some aircraft series, uh, there are differences in the cockpit for between the, the different versions in, within the series.
1: Indeed, uh, yeah. It's, uh, if, it's, we, we're going to sort of bash on through because, uh, as I say, I'm worried about our link going down. uh <laughs> there's one question. Yeah. There's one question here that I'm going to read out, but we're going to gloss over immediately. This, uh, that Masher has said what your favourite panini, but we'll gl- glance over that and move on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, we've got. Um, I, I think Mike had
2: um, uh, what's what's the favourite. Um, Meal on the aircraft. Yeah, and uh, for me, I have to say uh, the lasagna. The lasagna, good uh, choice. Yeah, the lasagna that that we serve on board, I quite like.
1: Excellent. Uh, uh, and
2: I have actually tried it.
1: Yeah. Oh well, well done. <laughs> uh, Ray Davis says, "Is there anyone else, anyone else in your family who's in into aviation uh, like like yourself? So any of your family into it or wanting to to become cabin crew or or, or pilots or
2: maybe in." <laughs> My extended family. My uh, uncle worked for Rolls Royce. He uh, worked in jet propulsion, uh, or more, more specifically gas turbine propulsion. Um, and yeah, he was he was a private pilot, um, or I'm not too sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he still is. Uh, I could be wrong with that. Um, and yeah, he now works for. Uh, a university, uh, lecturing in gas, propul- uh, gas turbine propulsion systems. Wow. So that's about the closest to aviation um, in my family at the moment. Mash-, Mash
1: has actually asked a serious question this time, which is quite nice. Uh, <laughs> saying, uh, how is the interaction between cabin crew and the pilots? Do you, do you sort of socialise with each other much?
2: I do like this question. Um, it really depends on the crew. And I have to say here in Malaga, it's a lot easier because the base is smaller so we know quite a lot of the same crew um, because we fly with the crew more often in London I fly with uh, well there are another thousand cabin crew um, with me (laughs) so I don't know all of them Um, there are a few hundred pilots which differs from just over 50 here Yeah, Um, so here it's it's uh, a lot easier to socialize with them um there is a gaelic football team for <laughs> the 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 crew here in uh in malaga where a lot of the cabin crew and uh pilots kind of share uh, a, a kick around um but actually in flight it's it's very work orientated so um there's very little socializing time in in flight um, hmm. and there's very little uh socializing going on during the day
1: i mean you you um, must be you must be sort of knackered by the end of the day to be honest i mean the last thing you want you just sort of want to go home to bed really rather than sort, yeah. of, uh, sort yeah, of socialize it. yeah
2: that, that that's the sort of thing i mean um, it, it's it's difficult to to, to stay positive oh. with the with <laughs> with crew once you've been you know Running late, uh, once you mm. you know you just want to get home, yeah. and um, you know th- there's there's not much opportunity for socialising there no. um, because it's generally let's get the aircraft close up, let's get the the paperwork done, mm. let let's let's go home.
1: With the uh, the the airline that you work for, do do they refuel um, every leg? There's, Tony S has asked this question. Do you refuel Ooh. between each leg, or do you or do you just refill like fill up in the morning and then sort of?
2: It wholly depends on the aircraft, or the, sorry, the the airport that we're going to, because uh, some airports allow you to refuel and board, and some uh, airports don't. And sometimes it can be cheaper for us to um, to basically sacrifice the twenty-five minute turnaround in order to board uh, to board the flight and then refuel, or to refuel and then board. Uh, than it is to, to carry the fuel from the, 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 the point of origin. An example for that is in, say, uh, Kos in, in Greece. We can't refuel on board at the same time, so it, the, the, the turnaround takes 40 minutes or so. Say, for example, in another airport that's quite close to, say, if you're going to, bad example, but Malaga to Alicante. Um, I don't even think that a flight exists. <laughs> but uh, it would be common for us to to, to carry the the fuel uh, yeah. if we weren't allowed to refuel on board there. Uh, but but generally, generally speaking, we refuel every single sector.
1: Wow. OK, well, we're uh, going to we're going to sort of wrap things up, I think now, because we're we're sort of uh, fr- <laughs> frankly, I'm so terrified that these links are going to fall down and we're sort of yeah, reach, reaching our two hour yeah, like, window. Here my fingers crossed, yeah,
2: yeah. I'm hoping that they'll, they'll stay
1: up. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, so look, seriously, Owen, uh, we're, we're going to have we'll get you on the show again where we can have a proper chat with you. Um, and we'll perhaps see if we can get you over to the PTUK towers and uh, oh, do, do you a proper do a proper interview. But uh, thank you very much for being a guest. On the show. Oh, uh, I'm going to. Thank gonna...
2: you for having me. It, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um,
1: so, look, um, I think, guys, we ought to bring episode 134 to a close. He says, <laughs> like, Carlos has fallen asleep on the microphone. Look, honestly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. So, yes, uh, we'll re. We'll- Will we'll ref- that would we'll, be a great uh, picture for the the, yeah, the, think, the uh, YouTube? What what is a way of people falling? Asleep, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't want people seeing them falling asleep whilst listening to our podcast. That's not that is not the way forward, boys and girls. That is not the way forward. Especially one of the hosts is nodding off mid-show. That's not the winning combination. Right. Okay. Uh, Owen, thank you very much for for joining us. Yeah, as I thanks, say, we'll thanks, we'll. Uh, um, when you're oh, back in yes. the, when you're back in the UK we'll we'll meet up properly and uh, as i say we'll we'll take yeah, you we need to have a meet up we will we'll take you yeah, to definitely. we'll take you to the best restaurant in the entire world which is our lovely Ooh. little uh, three cooks restaurant uh, you'll love yes, that i, I promise yes
2: i was uh, listening to the, the, the episode uh, our last week's episode
1: um, yeah at seething i think yeah that's that. yeah, yeah. yeah yeah absolutely and,
2: uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to going
1: there. Definitely, we'll we'll make sure we sort that out. So, uh, uh, well, Carlos, it's your show. At the end of the day, I've had to monopolise it a bit because the line <laughs> keeps falling over. But uh, so it's been a bit of a weird experience for me, one which I don't want to repeat anytime soon. So you, this is your last holiday this year. I've decided. All right, <laughs> you're not allowed okay. to go away again. <laughs> I don't all like right. this. <laughs>
0: So it is time then to bring episode 134 to a close of the Plain Talking UK podcast. A massive thank you to everyone who has joined us in the chat room this evening. Loads and loads of names, always. There's too many to mention, as always. But a massive thanks to you guys. You know who you are in the chat room all across the globe uh, for joining us for this episode. Me and Matt really do appreciate it, we as do. does Owen. Uh, Signing himself in uh, As uh, you do. Malaga. So, uh, a big thanks to all you guys.
1: From everyone, thank you very much, Owen, again. And uh, Carlos, obviously, uh, we're going to bring episode 134 to a close. So, everybody say goodbye. Thanks, guys.
2: Bye. Bye. Bye.